Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. The uh, federal liberals are having their difficulties with their tax fairness objectives. Mr. Morneau, the finance minister, will on Monday morning be telling the liberal caucus about uh, his latest plans for tax fairness for small incorporated business. I was just thinking that I wouldn't want too many of the members of the Trudeau cabinet running a small business because... There'd be no taxes to collect fairly quickly. We're going to talk to Dan Kelly, the CEO and President of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and Senator Denise Batters, conservative senator from Saskatchewan. She's been on the forefront of battling the federal government on all of this stuff. And then the the worst part, well, not the worst part, but it sure is awful to hear that they were going to go after employees discounts from their employers. We're going to tax that. Like I said earlier, it's like Mr. Mordo and Mr. Trudeau are sticking their grubby little fingers in your pockets and in your wallet hunting around for loose change. How are you enjoying the experience? You millionaires, you. What do you know about running a small business? Nothing. Nothing. England's chief medical officer declared that antibiotic resistance could spell, quote, the end of modern medicine. That was also the World Health Organization, from what I understand. And the English chief medical officer warned about a post-antibiotic apocalypse. That's a word that does not allow any equivocation. That's a word that says doom and gloom. So we spoke with Jason Tetro, the germ guy, microbiologist and author of The Germ Code, um, a couple of weeks ago, about this issue with the antibiotics becoming less effective. And he's back with us. Uh, Jason, now we're talking about, or at least the English chief medical officer, is talking about a post-antibiotic apocalypse, and the World Health Organization is talking about the end of modern medicine. Yeah. It's true. Um, you know, we used to call it the post-antibiotic era, but I guess era doesn't have the same impact as apocalypse. Um, this well, it's not, scaring me. Well, that's the thing. I think it's time to, for people to start getting a bit scared because, well, we've been talking about this off and on now for probably five years, you and I. 
And I've been saying the exact same thing. We got to stop using antibiotics. We got to get people to stop asking for antibiotics when they have a cold and the flu. We got to get it out of agriculture. And let me tell you something. I mean, I know it sounds to coin a phrase taxing on the listener, but this is what's going to happen. We are now at a stage where we have bacterial infections that are resistant to not just one, two, or three antibiotics, but all antibiotics. We call that pan-drug resistant. You can't get treated with an antibiotic if you get that bug. And it, it's happening more and more often. And we've actually heard in the news that people are dying as a result of this. Yeah, and have. so what the uh, chief medical officer in England is doing is essentially raising the stakes because, well, to be honest with you, very few people have been, you know, listening to, to the calls uh, because, you know, in 2015, it was initially called a crisis. In 2016, we started talking about having um, an inability to treat. And now finally in two, 2017, we haven't really seen any great change. So it's now time for people to start understanding you're going to have to go, you know, th there's going to be a point where you're going to go to a hospital and say, doctor, I I've got an infection. You know, it could be a cinetobacter. It could be Neisseria gonorrhea, the gonorrhea uh, pathogen. Uh, could be something called Klebsiella pneumoniae, and they're not going to be able to treat you. So whatever happens to you at that point happens to you. Well, it's um, like it's like medicine two hundred years ago. Well, sort of. If you can get it out of the person, absolutely. Um, but uh, let's just say something like tuberculosis, which is also starting to get there. You you can't do anything about it. So you either take the lung out and you put in the iron lung. Uh, wow. which a lot of people probably remember if they're over the age of 50. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's not going to be a treatment for you. Now, this doom and gloom has been sort of tempered, if you will, because we have been trying to find in research new directions, trying to use biologies like viruses against bacteria or peptides, um, little small proteins that have an effect on these bacteria and kill them. And we're getting somewhere with it. But the problem is, is we were anticipating that this would take us to about 2030, and then we would have the ability to go through. Um, unfortunately, we're losing that time faster than we can keep up in the labs and in the clinical trials. And we may end up with several years where we literally don't have an answer. And this is where we're going. So how quickly could this, in fact start to manifest itself, where, it, where it's not just the odd person, yeah. but it's a whole lot of people who go to an already overstressed healthcare system, well, and, and they say, sorry, really can't do anything for you because our previous antibiotic medicines or medications just won't work. Yeah. Well, let, let's put it this way. Um, it really started happening around 2011 when we started seeing this um, sort of appearing in patients coming in from the community. It had been in hospitals off and on, here and there, but it wasn't really anything to talk about. 2011, it really started. By 2013, those case numbers went up to from just singles to the dozens. Now, this is worldwide, so again, not a heck of a lot. Now we're starting to see those hundreds turning into thousands in just a few short years. So by 2020, we may be seeing possibly tens of thousands. That's and three years, two years. Yeah, in the next three years, probably. And that's the problem that we're facing right now, is that we really need to get people to just stop asking for antibiotics when they're not, not necessary and stop thinking doctors 
uh, are, are being mean to you by essentially saying, you know, we'd like to do some testing first. Because honestly, you can do a test and within four hours know exactly what the bug is and know exactly what antibiotic you're going to use to get that person feel better. And I don't care. You can wait those four hours. Sure you can. I was talking to, a, to an emergency room doctor uh, just a few days ago, and he was telling me that patients will come in and they obviously have the flu or they have some kind of viral infection, mm-hmm. but they will insist that they want an antibiotic and they will not leave until they get an antibiotic, and eventually the hospital where the docs are already two to three hours behind in getting to patients will give them the antibiotic just to get them out of there. Oh, I know. Um, You know, one of the things that I remember talking about about five years ago when we kept hearing about this. Now, to be honest, Canadians are getting better. Back in the 80s and 90s, it was about 66% of people who were asking. It's gone down to probably somewhere between a quarter to a third of people. So it's getting better. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if... If you can give somebody a prescription for a sugar pill, <laughs> I think that might be a much better option than to just cave in and give them an antibiotic right. because they're not going to change. And we know that there's going to be about 30% of the population who are just going to stick to whatever the heck they think is true, regardless of what people like myself and doctors and others, apparently we just are a matter of opinion. So the fact is, let's figure out a way that we can give these people something that will make them feel better. You know, call sugar some strange name like uh, aluzimabab or something, and then they'll take that, and then they'll feel better, um, and we won't have to worry about antibiotic resistance. Like, it sounds ludicrous, I know. No, I understand what you're saying. I I get what you're saying. Here's something else to remember. Um, Just seeing stories now that the plague is making a strong recovery Mm -hmm. in some parts of the world, particularly in Madagascar now. And it's the strain of plague which killed almost 50 million people in the Middle Ages. It almost wiped out humanity, and it's making a comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we see plague coming back. Uh, it's cyclic, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and we're still not exactly sure why that is. It could be due to climactic factors, or it could be due to population. Yeah, but if you can't fight it with antibiotics, you're in serious trouble. Well, we're lucky enough that we still can fight it with certain types of antibiotics. Yeah. Um, so we're lucky in that sense. And plague doesn't come around more than once every few years. And when it does, it's usually... Um, what we call susceptible. It dies okay. when you treat it with antibiotics. So in that sense, we're doing okay. But uh, God forbid, if we ever get to a point where these bugs, Yersinia pestis, starts actually resisting some of the antibiotics that we rely on, yeah. then um, remember that Ebola scare we had back Yeah, and I've got only about 10 seconds, Jason. I was going to talk about my, ask you about the Ebola situation. Uh, Ebola, we have to become aware We now. have to become aware. But plague could make Ebola seem like a joke. Uh, Jason Tetro, the germ guy, microbiologist. He's the author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files. Thank you, Jason. Talk to you soon. It was a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye, Jason Tetro. When we come back, we'll talk to Carolyn Jarvis, chief investigative correspondent for Global News. There's a major story, collaborative news story, That's airing on global television tonight at 7. You will not want to miss it. We'll tell you a little bit about it with Carolyn when we come back.